All right, welcome back to our series updating you on the murder trial of Kyler Use. Today was day six, and it was a Saturday, but court was in session, and it was a long one full of evidence and testimony. There was a lot of focus on forensic evidence and experts weighing in on that, and it was also the final day we are hearing from the prosecution, I believe. And so I'm Caitlin Brown, and I'm here today with our investigative reporter, Andy Alcock, who is in the courtroom. So thanks for joining, Andy. So I just want to dive right in and kind of talk about, um, I think the most interesting point of the day was the forensic evidence. And do you just want to talk about like what the courtroom was like when the photos were shown and when the experts were talking about how they identified the girls? Certainly uh, has to be uh, tough for the family because, you know, what what we're talking about here, uh, let's kind of go back a little bit because we're not even where we're at right now uh, without uh, Keith Todd, who was the mushroom hunter, who by his own admission actually was trespassing on the property when he was looking for uh, mushrooms and wound up finding a human skull. Uh, So obviously, certainly not what he was expecting. And that led to uh, law enforcement and investigators coming out and finding uh, the remains of, of both of these girls. Um, and the reality was, was because, uh, first of all, uh, Cara uh, had been there uh, most likely since 2007. She was last seen alive in 2007. That when they found her in 2017, a, a whole decade had passed. And so all that was left were uh, bones. There was, you know, there was no hair, no tissue, none of that kind of stuff. A lot of teeth missing. They found, I believe they said something like 50 bones out of the more than 200 that there are in the human body. And, you know, not to be too graphic about this, but it sort of, you know, it was, it was, it was talked about it, that some of these bones uh, had, had been gnawed on by animals. Um, you know, it's just the reality of, of kind of, you know, what happened out there. And um, the problem that they had with her bones uh, was because that they had been there for so long um, trying to identify her by dental records turned out to be, you know, somewhat problematic. Uh, the, the, the expert in that area determined that it was possible that uh, it was her dental records, but he couldn't make a positive ID. So he, he couldn't make the full leap to saying it was a positive ID. So what happened instead was they took uh, one of the bones they found out there and sent it uh, to a a forensic lab uh, that the FBI has in Quantico, Virginia. And they were able to identify uh, Cara uh, through DNA uh, through her parents. They were able to determine that there was enough reason to believe uh, by, you know, huge numbers that um, the the bones uh, were related to both her mother and father. And that's how they were able to identify her. Jessica, on the other hand, was out there um, for probably about seven months, so less than a year. Um, They did find a little bit of her hair, uh, which they talked about. Uh, They found uh, just a a little bit um, of uh, decomposed flesh, very little, very, very little, but almost all bones. But one of the things was that uh, she um, had braces. And so they were able, the the wires uh, on her teeth, they were able to match as well as the fillings um, to her dental records, they were able to positively identify her, identify her more quickly than they were Kara, which certainly makes sense because she was out there uh, a, a less period of time uh, in the woods. Uh, but nevertheless, I mean, you know, still basically all that they were really able to find uh, were bones. Um, and at one point, uh, you know, sort of late in the day, 
um, they showed uh, how um, that uh, the medical examiner had laid out the bones, uh, bones that they had found of uh, Kara, like on a table, you know, showing, you know, how they sort of fit together or what they had, um, you, you know, and then they showed various pictures of these girls' skulls, you know, close up. Uh, I mean, that's not, you know, obviously that's going to be a very, very difficult thing for any family member to, to have to endure um, when you see something like that. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's, uh, it was important, obviously, uh, it, information for the jury to have and, and for them to explain, you know, for these experts to explain how they were able to identify these young women, um, you know, with, with the kind of remains that were out there, which, uh, you know, basically were just skeletal in nature. I want to ask, so we heard from some toxicology experts from Children's Mercy about brain matter that they tested from Jessica. What were they testing for there and what did they find? Yeah, so um, what they were able to find, so I guess uh, the thing about, uh, you know, about brain matter is, and they only found a very tiny little bit of it. I, I think they, they talked about, you know, a couple of grams, basically, is what they were able to test. Um, they found nicotine and caffeine. And there had been some uh, discussion that uh, apparently uh, Jessica was, uh, at least there's, according to testimony, that, that uh, she smoked marijuana on a fairly regular basis. So they were looking for the active ingredient, THC. Uh, but what these experts testified to is because, you know, of, of the time that she was out there and the lack of matter that they were able to find, um, even if it had been in her body, uh, you know, it, they couldn't find it based on the testing that they did, which they they testified didn't necessarily mean it, it hadn't been there, but they couldn't find it. So there was a lot of discussion uh, about that aspect of it. But, um, you know, at, at the end of the day, I think ultimately, you know, what you know, the, the most important stuff that happened, um, you know, dealt with uh, the identification of the girls and, and obviously the discovery um, which led to that. So those were, were key things. I think another thing that I, that I would want to bring up that we are going, uh, uh, that, you know, we're going to discuss in our, our, one of our TV pieces is that, uh, there's been a lot of talk about Jessup Carter, uh, Kyler Youth's half brother. And in fact, um, the defense at one point, um, asked the detective, the first guy who was on the stand this morning, if Jessup Carter was, um, a suspect in the Jessica Runyon's case. And he said, yes. And then immediately the prosecution objected. Uh, when we came back from recess, uh, Ben Butler, the lead prosecutor asked the same detective, um, you know, if he had been, if, if Carter had been cooperative and, and he said that Carter actually had called 911 and called police on his half brother, Kyler used after a Runyon's disappearance. So he gave them the tip that, uh, that he was involved. He was certainly, you know, a key factor. Unfortunately, as we know, Jessup Carter uh, committed suicide in jail on an unrelated matter. And so he was not able to testify um, at, uh, at this trial. Um, but uh, I think it's, you know, certainly um, the defense has, has tried to point the finger of suspicion uh, at him. And I guess obviously when, you know, it's gonna be their turn to present their evidence uh, beginning Monday morning, uh, I would suspect that uh, it might possibly continue, uh, you know, but certainly the, the prosecution may object again. So, you know, we'll kind of see how that all plays out. Yeah, kind of along those lines, we heard from his widow yesterday, Jessup's, and then today he was brought up again in um, the FBI expert who talked about phone records. And I believe right. he said that 
Jessup's phone was not anywhere near the area when Jessica disappeared. Was that correct? That's correct. Yeah, actually, he said it was uh, in the Lake of the Ozarks area. Now, obviously, the fence makes the point um, there were that uh, and they have brought this up before, too, that uh, there may have been multiple phones involved with uh, Jessup Carter and his wife. And, you know, he may have had one or not the other. And just because a phone uh, shows that it's, it's in one location, that doesn't necessarily mean that Jessup Carter is in that location. So, you know, uh, there's that. Um, but um, it uh, I, I think certainly, you know, we're going to um, there's going to be more uh, questions surrounding his potential involvement uh, in, in this case, I, I would suspect when the uh, defense starts presenting its case Monday morning. Uh, we do know that uh, previously uh, they had an expert uh, that was uh, that in a hearing uh, who we believe is going to testify um, that claims that uh, the, the way that this case was conducted was that they started from the get-go thinking that Eust was the suspect and didn't investigate a lot of stuff they should have. So we'll see how well that plays with the jury. Yeah, I think it will. I think today was probably a really hard day to be a juror and see all of that. And especially a hard day for the family and witnesses who were there. And I'm sure next week hearing, you know, them trying to discredit the prosecution's case will also be difficult for the family. Um, Yeah, I mean, frankly, you know, I, I think it's hard for anybody, you know, knowing we've seen we've all, you know, over the years now have come to learn a lot about these girls and seen their pictures and all of that. And then when you see what, what was found of them, um, you know, I, I don't care whether you're a reporter or, or uh, you know, somebody, a friend of the family or just somebody that, that's interested in the case, whoever you might be, kind of hard not to be moved to, to see, you know, some of these, these photos. It's tough stuff, really tough stuff. And obviously, when you're talking about family members, uh, it's just, uh, it's brutal. I, I just, I can't imagine how difficult that must be for them. Right. And I'm sure, you know, we'll rehash a lot of this next week with, from the defense's side of things. And I think it'll be interesting to see how they spin the different pieces of evidence we've already seen and present any new ones. Um, I want to thank you for sitting through a harder day of court and sharing it with us today um, and look forward to hearing from you again, Andy. Thank you. Okay. And uh, so this is our sixth day of the um, trial recap, and you can find everything you need to find with about all of these details on kshb.com slash trial. And you can also go to Andy's Twitter. You know, he was tweeting all day and has a lot of great information on there. And so um, we'll be back again Monday. Thank you.